Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to a non-football episode of the London is Blue podcast coming at you in the heart of the coronavirus COVID-19 epidemic pandemic technically Nick I should I should uh, be more educated on on where we're at Um, but obviously we love to record on Sundays it's what we do Uh, normally it's post football post soccer but it's a it's a little different but it doesn't mean we don't have a lot to talk about especially just within the atmosphere and kind of the current you know situation we are we're in as fans right now. Yeah, it's a, it's it's wild times. Um, you know, there there are plenty of resources out there that are far more qualified than I to talk about how serious this uh, pandemic is, and, and we'll get into some of those as as we get into the script here. But it's a uh, it's an unprecedented time for the Premier League. So uh, we originally had slated our good friend Andy Saunders to come on to talk about the Villa game, but uh, since there is no Villa game to talk about, Andy, we thought we'd just position ourselves as medical experts and and put it out there for the world you know well i mean interestingly i am a a noted epidemiologist and virologist so you just got lucky this week (laughs) yeah no it's it's, it's great to be on the show thank thank you for inviting me guys i really appreciate it definitely uh you know obviously a little bit different of a of a show list today dan i think um but we do i in in my opinion have some some good stuff that uh 
we can still touch on. So what, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about the fact that, uh, like this podcast, you can still have friendships over social distancing. So uh, congratulations. Podcasting are the model for social distancing working as friendship. We but we'll, we will actually get into <laughs> the fact that uh, we're going to discuss the end of standard footballing season potentially today amidst the global pandemic and how this was handled by the league in Chelsea, as well as the potential ramifications if the Premier League season cannot be completed and uh, what that might hold for the future of Champions League, Europa League, and all those things in, in between. And then do some as-is awards for this season for Chelsea if the season did, in fact, already end and we just don't know it yet. All right. Uh, per usual, Nick, is this is usually when we do iTunes reviews and, and, and ad reads, so with no iTunes reviews, we go right into the uh, contest we have running. That is right. Uh, given the kind of hysteria and, and uh, legitimate news reporting of the coronavirus, uh, we wanted to extend, take this chance to extend the, the deadline for entries into the Talisman hat trick promotion that we're running on Instagram. So uh, if by like Tuesday evening UK time, um, you could uh, throw your entry in, which is a simple comment, tagging two friends, tagging Talisman, and, and naming who you think the next Chelsea player to score hat trick will be, uh, that'll be great. And then we'll just make that announcement of the winner uh, during the week. Uh, so just wanted to give a little bit of extra time because it's been an unusual, Brandon, unusual week for <laughs> for a lot of people around the world. To say the least. And for all of you just looking to get your hands on the Talisman Caps merch in general, code LONDONBLUE10, that's LONDONBLUE10, will get you 10% off. I just was at their store video out soon. It was a blast. They have a ton of cool stuff. Uh, next up is about Patreon. So without football, uh, we will continue to create content, but we felt that we should pause our Patreon payments. So if you are supporting us on that platform, you will not be billed April 1st. This is not a April Fool's Day joke either. We are quite serious and just want you to feel like you are getting maximum value for your support. So uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and just dive into what we have today. And the first one being all it took was Arsenal's manager and then Chelsea's first team player, Callum Hudson-Odoi, testing positive for COVID-19 for the Premier League to scramble an early morning meeting and you know finally say, hey, we're going to pause for at least two weeks. Um, we'll have to, you know, kind of see what happens with some of the rest of the fixtures, but at least for the March 14, 15 fixtures postponed through April 3rd. And pretty much everyone else beat England's Premier League to the punch by doing that. But globally, as a collective, Andy, there's no more football for a minimum of two weeks. I think the MLS went 30 days here. Most of our other American sports are indefinite at this point. The NBA really being the thought leader on that one. Um, but yeah, Premier League, really the two weeks is probably just to buy in some time to figure out their larger plan, right? Yeah, well, they're saying the, the weekend of the 3rd of April uh, is when football will resume at the, at the earliest. But I don't think anybody in their right mind is thinking that's going to happen with the way that things are progressing and escalating at the moment. Uh, the first I knew about it, I was in the, 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 the old favourite virtual waiting room, which is our antiquated ticket system at Chelsea, waiting to buy my Leicester FA Cup tickets, uh, which take place in a couple of weeks. And um, one minute before the tickets were going on sale, we were all in, we all get put in a queue as anybody that's used a ticketing system knows. Uh, one minute before the uh, the tickets went on sale, a big red 
message flashed up saying Leicester tickets will not go on sale at this time. West Ham tickets were also not on sale. So the Premier League um, and the FA are obviously preparing for a battening down of the uh, football hatches. Yeah, I guess, Andy, being on the ground over there, were you surprised that the Premier League in particular, but but the rest of the FA seemed a little slow to react to, to what was kind of a developing situation across the world over the last two or three weeks? Yeah, I was a little bit because their argument was that they were following government advice. Uh, and I think the, the, the fundamental problem was the government advice. Um, the government weren't going to, uh, they, they weren't very uh, keen on the idea of social distancing, on banning large gatherings. Uh, and the Premier League uh, and, and other football leagues were taking their advice. So from that point of view, I guess they did the right thing. But what's interesting, if you talk to most football fans, not just Chelsea fans, but anybody that goes to football on a regular basis, most of us, the vast majority of us were calling for a, uh, a a level of social distancing. A lot of us were thinking that it's uncomfortable to go to 40,000 capacity stadiums uh, and travel to those stadiums with all of the health risks involved. Um, and we're just questioning the wisdom of not at least considering that as an option. Well, and then there was the thought too about having these players play the matches behind closed doors, which removes fans, which is part of the reason why this game is played in the first place. But then you're, you're still putting players and you're putting the infrastructure of these clubs at risk at the same time. And so, you know, it, it seemed like the idea of this half measure behind closed doors really wasn't, you know, anything that was going to produce any type of fruit either. No, not at all. And, and in fact, Wayne Rooney uh, has just started this weekend his his Sunday Times column, which we all know he wrote himself. Um, <laughs> but he, he in there he talks he talks about you know players being used as guinea pigs, and you know he's actually right. It's it's it isn't right to 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 make sports people perform uh, in this environment when we know what the risks involved in in the market. Yes, of course, they're not in a in a crowd with 40,000 people, but they're still having to travel to games. They're still having to, uh, to interact with each other. Um, I think if you're going to stop football, stop it for everybody and pause the whole thing and think and reflect and figure out a strategy that's going to benefit everybody in the long term. Right. It, uh, you know, as I, as I read a bunch of these articles and different things, it, you know, the biggest implication for these clubs that's being discussed is, you know, the the monetary losses, you know, and, it, it, you know, you look at the reason why they wanted to keep these games going is because the match day revenues. And obviously that's part of it. Um, I think that is, is, you know, they finally decided that, hey, you know, they put out their statement, the Premier League, the FA, the EFL and the WSL have collectively agreed to postpone the professional game in England. And, you know, they, they talked to about it, but, you know, they say, quote, in this unprecedented situation, we are working closely with our clubs, government, FA, EFL, and we can, can reassure everyone that the health and welfare of players, staff, sports are our priority, end quote. So it's like, OK, you didn't talk about it. But yet when all of these reporters talk about their club sources and what's like being discussed you know it just comes back to the revenues and and who's going to get what out of it yeah sorry i'm sorry to interrupt um the the yes you're absolutely right um that's got to because there is so much money involved in this game but it's not just the clubs that are worried about the revenues obviously the broadcasters are as well i read today that sky tv in the uk 
have paid for £480 million, that's almost a billion dollars worth of games that haven't been played yet. So what happens to that revenue? Do they have mm-hmm. to get that revenue back? And if they get that back, does that come out of the clubs and the clubs are already committed on wages? And what's the knock-on effect on wages? And if there's no Champions League, what happens there? And the the, the financial thing, yes, I mean, it's it's grubby and it's a little bit um, tacky, uh, but it's it's important. I mean, the Premier League clubs, you could argue, they have so much money anyway. I'm sure they have reserves, and I'm sure it can happen. But if you're an EFL club, or, right. or you're a club in, in Tier mm-hmm. 1 or Tier 2, or if you're in the Southern Premier League, or if you're one of these clubs that relies on match day income, then it's a massive problem. You could argue the Premier League club's match day income is a bonus. It's not the core revenue. Broadcast is. But anything below the Premier League, it's match day income. And, and yes, they will be hard hit. I will say this, that some good... Good news stories have come out of it as well. I don't know if you read the story about Brighton and Hove Albion, who said that they would continue to pay all of their matchday staff throughout the closure of their stadium, which is fantastic. That 600 staff are still going to get paid throughout this period. And I think some, there are some good news stories uh, and clubs doing the right thing by their, by their matchday staff. And I noticed that you know in America that's happening with, with, with basketball uh, uh, organisations as well. And I think clubs are going to be remembered in how they acted throughout this period. How they behaved during this period will reflect on their brand going forward. If they're dicks about it, if they stop paying people, if they if they don't pay their suppliers, if they if they, you know, just batten down their own hatches and act selfishly, people will remember this. And I'm sure they're aware of it. Well it's it's the old the old saying is, you know, who who you are in times of trial is is who you are, right? Um it's really easy to be philanthropic when everything is going well and you know the money's pouring in and you know you can kind of you know march down the streets like a king but uh, I think I think to your point Andy the the broader story here is of the public well-being and health and safety and how to you know what the best steps are to slow and eventually stop the spread of this what what is now known to be a deadly virus to to people who are of an older age for the most part. Um, not that young people obviously can't die of it, but it primarily affects older generations. And I think you know how the clubs are seen to uh, meet this moment is going to be really crucial. And and how you know, like you said, how they are viewed after the moment has passed. Because I, I think most Dan, I, most people are kind of looking at this as as the current situation, but also noting that this could be the first of however many of these things, right? And it's not just about preparing or, or trying to, to meet the moment now. It's about how to think about meeting it in the future too. Well, the, the after action report on all of this across every country, government, and footballing, sporting body is going to be huge. I mean, I think that's where you know, I, I would look for FIFA and UEFA and others to, to get involved with mandating across all of the global leagues to try to provide more direction and guidance and support versus allowing league by league decisions. Because I think, you know, the, the one benefit of having large governing bodies is they can make a pretty swift adjustment and amendment to what's going on. You know, we're, we're, I mean, and we've only been talking about the Premier League, maybe specifically because we're talking on a Chelsea podcast, but you know we also have the the Euros. You know we've got the Olympics coming up. We've got all of these massive sporting events that were happening in 2020, 
And now, Brandon, you know, the the whole sporting calendar, I mean, the whole world calendar has changed, but the whole sporting calendar is basically just up in the air, kind of with floating dates and hopeful, you know, darts on the board of like, hey, we think we can restart then. But no one really has any idea if that's going to be actual reality or not. So correct. I I think that's why, you know, this is such a um, intertwining you know, kind of story that's developing here. So if you run through Sam Wallace from the Telegraph kind of gave the minutes from the meeting on Friday when they decided to postpone um, some highlights, no club demanded a null and void season. Uh, They will meet next Thursday. So this coming Thursday after UEFA meets on Tuesday. Um, Let's see. It was remote. Obviously it's tough to find, uh, a common end when you have 20 different shareholders all with their own self-interest understandably so um you know they did have a schedule created that if they were to resume april 4th they could finish the season on may 17th again i don't think that's going to happen and then they're just saying they're going to follow the government's you know kind of advice but essentially what it came down to is that the arteta and calm hudson adoy cases would have affected eight different games throughout this weekend and just we're like, all right, we can't do this. We have to pause. Well, and I, I think really quick, we have to just send our well wishes to these two affected individuals and the countless others that will come out over the next weeks and, and possibly months. I mean, for when, when the Callum news broke, we were in our, our group thread, our, our text thread, and we were like, that's it. And that's game over. You know, like it's not only about just Callum, Brandon, it's about everyone he came into contact with mm-hmm. prior to being discovered that he had this thing. And then that shuts down the club training facility that shuts down any other potential player that he's come into contact with. I mean, it's a, it's a snowball effect. Yep. So definitely, you know, putting, you know, people before the the season is, is what's most important. So now we kind of find ourselves at this crossroad because I think most of us would agree that, I really don't think this season, well, I don't know. This is actually where the good question is. I was listening to the, the BBC Five Live podcast. I don't know, one of their podcasts. And Andy, one of the former players, his take was that there's no way this season can't be finished, even if it's October 2020. And to me, I thought that like, well, why wouldn't you? I would be more than thinking of ending it early versus finishing at all costs, even if it's June, July, August. I guess from your perspective with all the different outcomes of how this season could end, like Dan said, knowing that the Euros will probably get bumped to 2021 and that'll bump Nations League and all these different things. Um, I guess, have you thought through what seems like the most reasonable scenario for the way to finish? Yeah, I mean, I've given, I'm sure like all of us have played that parlor game of, you know, what what, <laughs> what comes next, uh, you know, and had lots of discussions with with friends and, and, and family about about what the possible ones are. I mean, you've, you've heard things, you know, as random as, well, we'll just play each other once. Um, and then the headaches involved in, well, who plays at home? Because obviously home advantage is a, is a big thing. How does that work? Um, I think the big issue here and, and, and the issue that, that we have to put front and center, well, there's two issues. One is the integrity of the league. 
you know, if you just give Liverpool the league now, I don't think, look, you know, much as, I don't know about you guys, but for me, Liverpool are the big bet noir in my life, you know, and Liverpool and Spurs, you know, they are, you know, they're the, they're the guys that, uh, you know, that, that, that I really have a problem with and, and nobody wants Liverpool to win the league. But, you know, you could probably make a case for saying they are so far ahead that, you know, that, that they, all right, they, they get presented in an empty conv- uh, kind of coronavirus infected <laughs> stadium, but, you know, they get given the title and it's, a, you know, a theoric thing, you know. That, that I think most people could turn around and nod their heads and go, fine, what happens with relegation? What happens with the, the teams going down and the teams coming up? Because the teams coming up from the EFL, that's millions and millions of pounds. It's, it's life-changing money for those teams. Now, if they're told that, you know, that, 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 that basically everything stays the same apart from Liverpool win the league, but nobody goes down, nobody comes up, you know, that's going to cause a massive amount of litigation. If they say Liverpool win the league, but three teams go down and three teams come up, Aston Villa have a game in hand. That game in hand would take them out of the relegation zone. Right. So they would litigate immediately. So it's not as easy as right. saying, we'll play each other once. And then, or the other one I heard was everybody gets a point from here on in. And the only, and, and the only, uh, the only scenario that would change is Wolves would drop a place. But that doesn't really matter that much unless the Man City European ban. Uh, gets held up and Wolves would then be in the Champions League places. So mm-hmm. nothing works. There is no permutation that works for everybody. You know, so even if you continue playing the games all the way through, um, that's going to massively throw a lot of schedules off places because, you know, a lot of people pivot into cricket. A lot of people pivot into other activities. They mm-hmm. go on holiday. Maybe the, maybe the, you know, maybe the, 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 the stadium audiences won't be there. Maybe the TV audiences won't be there. It's so complicated. I really wouldn't want to be the person or the persons that have to figure out what happens because nobody will win. Yeah, I think the, just really quick, Brandon, I was looking at the EFL championship table. Leeds and West Brom are kind of clearly the top two, but then there's kind of a muddled three, four, five, six between Fulham, Brentford, Nottingham Forest, and Preston, who are all kind of within that, you know, the playoff scenario. And then how, you know, because it's a playoff scenario for that final spot, what the hell do you do with that? Well, if you go to Preston, though, it's only three points between them in sixth and Swansea in 11th, right? So, <laughs> yeah, so maybe not as much for them, but... You know, so there's tons of competition there, too. Uh, Dan, Statman Dave was on the pod, and he said we should just add in all the data points from this season so far into Football Manager and then sim it from here on out. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, a little bit in jest. they could Twitch stream it, and they could uh, find some uh, some new fans there, like the NBA is doing. I think yep. it was at the uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, uh, the Suns. The Suns. The Suns. Uh, yeah, I think the Suns and the Jazz played or something like that uh, virtually. Yeah, and they're they're bringing in the commentators and everything too. Like that's a uh, you know Brilliant. if you can't meet locally, yeah, find a way to to meet online and do it. But um, yeah, I mean I. I I mean, yeah, it's obviously it's a, a serious thing. We're we're kind of having fun talking about it at the moment, but yeah, I mean, it would be uh, would be quite wild if uh, Liverpool walked away from this season of historic moments for them and not have a a, a title to their name. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind terribly <laughs> uh, if that were the end outcome, but uh, the amount of churn that would potentially be uh, brought upon the league next season for it would be quite interesting. 
Yeah, I think I think the the thing that I saw was just like it was a meme of their like quadruple that they had like tried to st- uh, stand at the beginning of the season, and it was like they just keep getting knocked out of each competition. You know, whatever you kind of go down the line, and they get knocked out of the Champions League, they get knocked out of the FA Cup against Chelsea, they get uh, you know their perfect seasons over uh, because of Watford. And then the they lose the league uh, nineteen to eighteen from COVID nineteen. <laughs> so, so I mean, it's just it's it's funny, but you know, again, I think you're Andy, your scenario because they're so far ahead in the league, and it's 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 damn near mathematical that they would that they would uh, potentially win the league. Well, they need two. They need two wins to yeah. to do it. You know. Uh, so listen, I don't think anybody really. I mean, you know, the, the more sort of diehard, slightly twisted people might might kind of throw their toys out their pram about it. Um, and it would be very funny if they didn't. You know, it would be, it would be hilarious. Their one their first shot in thirty years gets blown, as you say as well. You know, with, with this kind of domino effect of us knocking them out of the FA Cup, of Morata knocking them out of the Champions League, you know, of going out of the EFL Club. Uh, you know, it would just be hilarious beyond belief but you know with with my serious head on I think that you know that what will probably happen is they will give it but we'll all know it was a Firic victory we'll all know that it wasn't really a league title you know that's it so it's a win-win for everybody else they'll get their league but we'll all know it was a bit of a plastic one so it's uh (laughs) you know so so from from that point of view it's um you know it's interesting I just think that the what's really sad about it is you know, is is we're not. It, it does damage the integrity of the league a little bit about about what you know what this means. And I feel, I think, I'm not worried about the top of the table. I am worried about the bottom of the table about about what happens with these clubs that you know that, that might get an opportunity to you know to come up into the Premier League. It's you know Leeds haven't been there for a very long time, for example. So it's uh, it's uh, and we love playing Leeds, dirty Leeds. So you know, from that point of view, that's that's slightly selfish. So it's um, yeah, it really really interesting times over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Definitely, I, you know, it is. I think everyone kind of, like you said, agrees. You know, Liverpool have earned the the championship at this point. Um, again, a twenty nine season league. When's the last time that happened? So you know, there's that. And as we were talking during Glanville, in the we've got history series. You know, eighty two points. I guess we still probably have the lowest total to win the league. But anyways. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is there's no regulation governing what happens if this season kind of ends as is. So I think that's what there's so much kind of craze and hysteria about it. Um, I, it seems like from the reporting, no one's really opposed to giving Liverpool the title. Again, as Andy says, it could be asterisked and rightly so. But I think I think fans need to be OK with the season ending abruptly and not being a true season just because of this scenario. You know, it's this isn't a world war, but it happened back then, too. When there's global crisis, things take precedent, things take priority. And, you know, I think that it's really it's really interesting. The The problem you have is we talk about the financials and Andy so eloquently put it goes down to the championship. But this is a global market, right? So, you know, you're awarded money based on your place in the table. You're awarded money if you make it into the Champions League. You then go to the summer market and you buy players from Brazil, from Africa, from Asia, from Europe, from America. And it's just kind of this massive economy that also has this effect. So as you look at kind of like the global implications of this as well, it's it's really crazy. I mean, Sheffield United pushing for a Europa League spot after getting promoted. 
wolves, you know, still on the on the front trying to, you know, knock their way into Europe as well. We're all sitting here waiting for United to slide back down the table <laughs> and and kind of see where they all land. So, you know, I guess, you know, Nick, from from that perspective, it's um, I, I don't know really how they can kind of do it or because if you freeze the table, I, you know, I don't know. I, it's just we're back in that situation of it's there's no way you're going to find a scenario that that doesn't end in massive amounts of litigation. Yeah, I I, I don't know how this is all going to end. I mean, part of part of my brain is like, do you just call this season as is give everyone extra time off during the summer and then restart it next year and, and figure out a scenario that works for the most people. I mean, not, not everyone is going to be able to handle this the best way. Um, and then the other part of me says, do you have to finish it? And does that delay the start of next year? And then does that delay everything else? And there are more dominoes to fall because you, you couldn't get over the fact of, of not finishing the league season. I mean, I, I think either way, because players' Chelsea, contracts end June thirtieth too. It, exactly, and then it's like, okay, so if the if the season goes into July, could Ziyech end up playing for Chelsea in a league season where he's legitimately a Chelsea player and able to be put on the books and signed? It's the whole scenario is just incredibly hard. But I think from a points perspective, Chelsea are actually in an okay spot with almost every scenario which is kind of interesting, Dan, as you, as you look at it, because if the league season ends, uh, you know, we're, we're right there. Uh, although mm-hmm. you know, most people don't think it's going to be voided. Uh, if, you know, everyone's awarded a point, like Andy was saying earlier, we're there again in the Champions League spot, no problem. If we have to play it out and we're allowed to get players three months of rest <laughs> before they start playing again, how does that affect everyone's form? We don't know, but we'll likely have most of our squad healthy. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll have a yeah. team again. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what what the hell happens next? I guess, I guess maybe downside is you don't get the chance to win the FA Cup 50 years later from the first time we won it in 1970, which is, again, a little, just a nostalgic one. But, again, pros and cons, what are the trade-offs and all of that, Dan? It's it's interesting. Well, and I, I think I see Andy has a point, though. He wants to chime in with, though. Well, just on that cup thing, I mean, there is an argument that you get rid of the cups next year. So you get rid of the uh, the FA Cup, the EFL Cup, you get rid of the winter break, you, you make some weeks up that way. Um, you, uh, you know, you can play, uh, into the summer a little bit because there won't be any Euros this year. I think that's pretty, that's pretty some. One of the problems is though, these players are going to have a lot of time off. They won't have trained. Mm-hmm. There will be no training. These will be like pre-season games. They'll be, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. they might be running on their treadmills at home, but let's be honest, most of them are going to be playing on their playstations and, and doing the bare minimum, you know, without, without a, you know, a, a psycho fitness coach standing behind them telling them to do this stuff. <laughs> um, they're not going to be match fit. And, and so people are forgetting that even if we resume the the, the 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 league in three weeks time this is three weeks without any fitness without any training so it's gonna be it's gonna be strange anyway sorry dan to interrupt but i just that was just on my no mind. no uh, i i think so th- there was in the the evening standard there was the fact that they published that the premier league needed a 14 club majority to avoid the season and uh, they kind of highlighted that there's probably not not hard to find 11 votes who would benefit from it with four possible floating votes, um, floating votes, including clubs like Everton, who are shy of the 40 point mark. But, uh, you know, 
Brandon, I it, it definitely kind of highlights this fact that there, there was a no one size fits all option because certain clubs would be very benefited by the fact that, you know, we could potentially hit a reset button and just end the season and resume again with potentially adding one or two clubs from the championship to the bottom and, and expanding to a 22 uh, team Premier League for a season before relegating uh, five in the following season. So maybe I should clarify this with this wonderful group. Voiding the season means it didn't happen, correct? Yes. That's what I yeah, yeah that's what I take. So then we'd be taking yeah. last season's table into next season. That's wild. <laughs> like if you think <laughs> about that, we just spent the last six months yeah, and it doesn't count for anything, which is also kind of crazy. I so I tend to think that voiding is is not the best way. I'd be more close to like freezing or some kind of, you know, simulation to the end, but uh th- like that's wild to think of that like, you know, when we started the season in August, right? Chelsea were coming off a transfer ban. Frank's manager, Ed Nazard is left. Like all these weird things going on. And now we're going to add this to it as well. It's like, you know, but to us, it's like, well, this benefits Chelsea. Like Frank gets more time, players back. Like, I don't know. It's just the craziest, craziest kind of like situation that we have. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know how obviously things will end. But, um, you know, there are some situations playing out, you know, as early Andy, you're talking about your virtual waiting room. And uh, I guess, what are your thoughts about Chelsea's way of handling this? I mean, I know that the Bayern-Chelsea match is set to be played behind closed doors. Now it's not going to go. Loyalty points are being removed. No help canceling flights and hotels. Some different things like that. What, I guess, how does that how is that affecting you guys as, as match-going fans and season ticket holders, too, and your perception of Chelsea's? handling of well, it. Well, I think, yeah, the, 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 the buying thing was interesting, wasn't it? You know, a lot of people have lost out on flights and hotels and then they, they took the loyalty points away from the tickets purchased for buying because the tickets weren't collected. That That's just a kind of... That's an, an administrative thing. I fully, I fully expect them to restore those those points. I think they will. Look, I think Chelsea have just been overwhelmed PR wise and marketing wise on, on this, like every club has. I think they have done what every organisation has done, which is put out their coronavirus, uh, you know, uh, statement, like every bank and deli and dry cleaners have, uh, explaining explaining what they're doing. They're they're being guided by the Premier League and the government. Um, they have essentially shut down operations at the training ground they've shut down operations at the club uh, they're trying to figure it out I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the commercial impact of everything um, I think that once they unpack everything and they put everything on the table you'll see things like some help for those fans that we're going to go to buy and financially I think that will happen definitely I think that you know people getting upset about the loyalty points is 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 a little bit unnecessary because I think they'll get put back uh, generally I think that most fans have accepted that the, the that the whole season is paused at the moment. I don't think anybody's ever... Th- I'm not even thinking about how much money I'm going to get back on my season ticket. I'm not even thinking about that at the moment. I'm just thinking, well, what? where does that lead us for next season? And are we going to get any more football? Because, man, weekends are dull at the moment. I don't know, I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. What do you do at weekends when there's no football? Like, there's only so many times I can walk the dog. It's like I'm, I'm bored out of my mind. I'm so pleased I'm doing this because otherwise I'd be watching reruns of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it's just like, you know, it's 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 horrific, isn't it? Not having any football. Well, and it's not even football, Nick. It's everything, all sports and entertainments, oh. you know. And so it's it's like there is a massive void and a, and a, you know, 
what what this has taught us and it won't be the the last time that we we learn this lesson and then we have to relearn it is how interconnected we all fucking are and how everything needs to move together to continue to work. I mean, you take one scenario, it's like it's like one grain of sand getting into a motor and it just screws everything up. Like you you take the FA Cup out of this scenario. Like what happens to those teams and the money that they get? And then how does that snowball to everything else? How does having no TV affect everything that we do on this show on a week to week basis? I mean, it's like it's just so crazy, Dan, that that it has taken this like global pandemic for I think a lot of people to to shape up and realize how connected we all are to each other and, and like how much we need each other to make things quote unquote normal again. It, it's bonkers. The best idea I saw, and I, I don't remember who tweeted it out, but that clubs should play a secret game in, away from cameras, away from fans, and box them away to be unearthed in the future. Uh, they'll, they'll sign an NDA. No one will know the results of them. And then in case in a scenario like this happens ever again, we have a breaking case of emergency box of sports programming available to us. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I mean, it, it's also like NBC, Brandon. NBC has to have the... They could, in this time where we need football so desperately, they need to replay every Premier League match that's happened this season on yeah. Saturday mornings. I mean, like, it's yeah. crazy. It was fun to see... I could tell um, there was the ones I'd avoid. <laughs> <laughs> right, the programming gaps across the, the board for these, you know, poor ESPN said no one ever. Um but one of the Chelsea uh, FC Reddit moderators is like putting on an Everton match from a few years ago and they're going to like live watch it as a group this morning on Sunday because that's how desperate people are to get their fix. Uh, you know, and like reruns are the way to go or like, you know, even old school classics going back to like fun March Madness tournaments we've had here in the United States and playoffs and things like that. Um, Andy, if you could go back and and rewatch some previous Chelsea teams or maybe seasons in the past, well, which ones come to mind right away? Do you get the do you guys get the Premier League years? Do you get that show? Mm-mm. Okay, so Sky over here have this uh, great show called the Premier League Years where they do a whole season. So they go, Premier League Years, 2005, and it will be the whole season. But obviously Chelsea will be the central narrative on it because they won. So, you know, you can pick your Premier League Years. uh, And that's great because it gives you the whole refresh of what that season was like and, you know, top and bottom. So, So those packages are really good. I think we're pretty good over here in terms of... Packages. I should say that obviously our big flagship show was on the BBC Match of the Day on a Saturday night, which they replaced with Mrs. Brown's Boys, which is the worst, the (laughs) worst comedy sitcom ever made. You know, there was a howl and outrage of haven't we suffered enough (laughs) that you would you would make us watch this uh, instead of football. Um, I I would definitely go back and watch the Mourinho years. I just, I, I mean, I still do go back and watch them occasionally and, and, you know, and just marvel at that team, marvel at the spine of that team, that defense, Drogba up front, you know, just people that are even on the periphery in that team were amazing. So I just think it was so remarkable that, you know, that those Marine, those first Mourinho years from those 20, 30 years that we'd had before that. Um, sorry, long time before that, you know, uh, without really winning anything. I think it was, uh, I, I'd definitely go back and watch and re- rewatch that over and over again. I'd love to watch any 80s matches that were available just to 
He really wouldn't, mate. I want to. I want to just because I never had the chance to. Uh, so it would feel new to me, even though it would be terrible. Um, it, 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 you know, I think there's just a lot of opportunity to, to cue in football programming that has just been uh, put away in the, in the cupboard for a while. And I hope that these networks figure it out because I think the likelihood of playing on April 3rd is, is non-existent. I love that you'd like to go and watch the 80s again. <laughs> you really in, wouldn't. In, until he, so until he watches the 80s again. <laughs> until you watch, yeah, particularly 80 to kind of like, you know, uh, you know, 87 or something. It was awful, awful. 87 is a great year. Anyways, uh, that'll wrap this part up. When we come back after the break, uh, we're going to be doing these season as is awards. Uh, some very uh, divisive and opinionated uh, part of the show, but uh, it should be a fun little thought exercise. So thanks the sponsor for financially supporting the show we'll be right back all right so let's play a little hypothetical assume the season has ended abruptly the table is frozen no more matches will be played this season so 76 percent of the matches played and we're gonna call it good time to make some judgment calls so we've got some hypothetical awards of the season some are real some aren't but if we're to end today nick we're going to start with player of the season. Who <laughs> would you give that award to? Oh, man. I, I think it has to be Mateo Kovacic. Um, and just simply for you know the kind of transition he undertook under Frank, his brilliance in midfield for most of the year. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that shocked a lot of people. Uh, you know, after Chelsea bought him and, and, you know, I think a lot of us on the show even uh, weren't necessarily keen to buy him after last year, but he certainly has made a huge impact in our midfield. And I'm, I'm really pumped for him and his development as he continues to go. All right, Dan. Yeah. I, I think coach is good shout. I, I think I'm hard pressed to move beyond Mason just for the fact that he has been, in the midfield as a winger hanging behind the striker. I think he, he did have some or has had some moments where maybe his, uh, his scoring kind of dried up a little bit. So I think that would be the, the knock against him and why he might go Kovacic ahead of him. But I think in terms of allowing us to execute the vision for what Frank has wanted to do in the pitch, the games where we have been the best Mason has been an absolute contributor and a stalwart. So I, I think you have to give it to, uh, Mason, which is, I think, incredible given his, his first full season in the Premier League, or 76% of season in the Premier League. <laughs> Told you it'd be divisive. Andy, what about you? Oh, I'm going Kovacic. I, I, I just think that, for me, they're, they're, he's the standout player this season. I stood stood on the terraces, metaphorically sat in the stands, you know, last season under Sarri when people were abusive, abusive towards Kovacic and couldn't understand why he was in the team, couldn't understand why we bought him, you know, really verbally disgraceful towards him. And the change in attitude towards him uh, it has been remarkable. And, and he has proven what a professional, what a, um, you know, what a class player he is, the way he dominates midfield, the way he can pick the ball up and run for it. The only thing that's really missing from his game is, is, is goals. 
everything else he has. I think he's been a fabulous uh, addition to Frank's squad and 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 a you know a, a player of, of real maturity. So I can't see beyond Mateo Kovacic. I think it's a good shot. I was trying to you know go, go a different. Here comes Kepa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so here's the thing, right? I was trying to like stray away from Kovacic because even he's been out of the team for a while. There's a there's a point in the season he wasn't even getting a look really except for a substitution appearance. It's just been that weird season. But if you take it, you know, overall, he had a really strong start. He did have that spell out. And now he's back at being his best we've seen, you know. And I think that's what's so weird is that we've had so many players kind of in and out of the seat, you know, in and out of the team. And Golakante injured, you know, Giroux now having a massive effect out of nowhere. You know, Pedro even getting minutes. I'm not going to say he's having a huge effect, but... It's just been one of those seasons where the minutes have been shared by so much. Even Alonzo, which, you know, he's going to show up for Spurs, but that's not enough for player of the season. So as much as I wanted to go somewhere different from you, from you two, I just – Kovacic seems like when he's consistently performing, his level is just higher than everyone else's. Um, it's just a weird spell where he wasn't in, involved in the team. So uh, next up is most improved – player of the season try not to duplicate awards if all possible so dan your mip uh well i think mip would would go to kovacic for me in terms of just where he in, has gone from in terms of his contributions last season you know uh, he actually scored goals this year which is uh you know is a, a plus positive um our friend Yannick uh, lost a pretty terrible bet that he made to himself about uh, running naked with the Croatian flag painted on his uh, buttocks uh, <laughs> because the goal actually happened. And, you know, I think he he leveled up in a way that and I know uh, maybe none of, you know, not all of us were super excited about the idea of him being the one signing we made <laughs> this season. Um, but in terms of where he was last year to where he was this year, uh, very, very marked improvement. All right. I've got that listed. Nick. Your turn. Uh, it wasn't until recently, but I would say Christensen uh, has really improved for me um, year over year. I think, you know, once he got back into the team, he started showing his composure in class on the ball and then obviously showed some toughness playing with the uh, with the broken nose and trying to be Batman. Uh, so I, I would say Christensen and it, it's been a it's been a welcome um, improvement based on where he was last year, which was tough. Interesting. All right. Uh, Andy, what about you? Yeah, mine's probably slightly controversial. I'm going to go for Tammy Abraham, not not because he has uh, necessarily improved as a player, but he's improved in my eyes. I was actually quite dismissive of Tammy Abraham's ability to lead the Chelsea line. I thought he had reached his level in the championship where he had scored a lot of goals. I didn't think that he was an elite striker. I couldn't see how he was going to come in and fill some pretty big shoes uh, up front for Chelsea, but he's come in and blown me away with his... Uh, ability and his uh, calmness and maturity uh, leading the line up front for Chelsea. So for me, just in my head, most improved player is Tammy Abraham. Yeah, it's I, I, he definitely crossed my mind too uh, as we're trying to, um, you know, kind of spread out these awards a little bit. <clears throat> um, man, my most improved, I, I'm trying to think from last season to this season too a little bit. Um you know, I I guess to me, I I would say Tammy as well because my from my expectations in August until now, he has far exceeded anything I thought that we would get out of him. 
Um, I think Kovacic has made a big stride. You know, I I mean, how many other positions? I mean, if you guys can even choose a runner-up, do you think that you're like, oh, hey, we've seen a significant improvement out of someone else? I just I think Jorginho could be one. Significant improvement? Uh, I think he's played better this year than he did. He got more year. yellow cards this year than he did <laughs> last <well>. year. <laughs> Yeah. So anyways, I just think it's kind of an interesting discussion on that, too. You know, again, a lot of new guys are not only players in the team, um, which is why I think the next one, which would be kind of easier, maybe, maybe not, um, would be the best youth player or, you know, best lone young loan player that came back into the team. And it's kind of like, you know, their first season uh, as, a, as a full Chelsea professional in the senior squad. Um Nick, you're smirking. I'm concerned. Where, where, where are you going with this one? Billy Gilmore. I'm kidding. Uh, um, I, <laughs> although, although I love Billy, don't get me wrong. He's played. Like, Everybody three loves matches. Billy. Yeah. yeah, he's played three matches, so it's a little premature, I would say. But uh, I think the best youth promotion in my eyes is Mason Mount, um, a guy who I did not know if he had this kind of stamina within the league, given, you know, kind of some of the, the football that he's played over the last few years. He's shown me a lot offensively. He's shown me a ton, a ton of energy to press and get back. I, you know, I just, I love Mason Mount, especially getting to talk to him back in September, Brandon, just tremendous individual, a lot of character there. So I think he's been the best youth promotion, even though Tammy is, is banging in the goals, or at least was. Andy, what about you? I'm going to go Reese James. Uh, I think Ooh. that Mason Mount is a fabulous player, but I think he's a player with great potential. Um, I don't think he's the finished article. I think that at times Mason has looked a little bit overwhelmed. Um, at times he's been incredible. I think, you know, for example, some of his games, for example, against Villa, uh, Spurs when he was pressing, when he gets up to full speed, when he gets into fourth or fifth gear, I think Mason Mount's going to be an incredible talent. But for oven-ready, premiership fit, unbelievable uh, step up. I think Reese James has got everything. I just think he's absolutely nailed it in that right back position. I hope that he's going to be our right back for years to come. He can cross. He's a tank. He's calm. He's good on the ball. We saw him get hugely exposed in the Bayern Munich game, but then so did everybody else, um, which was a massive wake up for, for him and for everybody else. So we know that he's got a way to go, but I just think that boy has everything. So Reese James for me. I love it. Dan, yourself. Um, well, so I did put him in uh, most approved. Uh, I think Tammy Abraham has uh, best youth promote. I mean, anytime you're you know above double digits in the Premier League for goal scoring as the number nine striker, which has been a, a curse number for Chelsea for quite the past couple seasons, uh, definitely is uh, something praiseworthy. Yeah, I'm definitely you know conflicted. I. You know, I definitely you know Mason had a, a great loan at Derby. Fick was their player of the season. And when Fick was starting at the beginning of the season, I was hyped. It was just, it was great to see. You know, I've already burned my, my Tammy card already. Um, and as exciting as Reese is as well, I would say that I'm going to go Mason Mount as well because of kind of the leadership he's stepped in, whether it's free kicks, set pieces, his willingness to play in a midfield three or out on the left or out on the right or as a number 10. I mean, that he has just shown a willingness to do whatever it takes on the day to help the team in a selfless way. And obviously, you know, Tammy is expected to be selfish as a number nine. Um, and I just think that, uh, 
yeah, that's something that shouldn't be overlooked. And obviously, there's a little recency bias with the, you know, last couple of performances out, him stepping up with goals and assists. But uh, um, yeah, just super, super excited. It may be super biased on my part because we got to interview him. So he's just such a nice guy, too. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, while we've had a lot of players doing well this season we've also had some player regression we've also had some players that haven't performed up to the expectations they've set for themselves as well so I think a little flipping of the tables Dan would be who is someone that has come up short in your eyes this season fairly or unfairly (laughs) I think the the easy one to go for is Keppa, but I think where my mind is at is I think Rudiger looks less likely to me like the a a very long term center back option for us. You know when you have uh, rotations between Fakayo and Zuma and Christensen, uh, you know he's definitely has not locked down a job in in any way, shape, or form. And I, I think you know the fact that you know the the rumors are want you know Frank wanting to go after uh, a you know splashy center back partnership or pairing. Uh, I think you could see him become a you know rotational option there, and uh, has definitely not looked great airily. Has been responsible for some some unfortunate uh, defensive errors. So uh, even though he did have that nice uh, brace in the season, uh, I think uh, I'm a little a uh, little just in shock, frankly, about uh, you know how kind of uh, slowly he kind of got back from injury and and how uh, how he really hasn't been able to establish himself as the the lockdown number one. Yeah, I. Uh, there are so many. I mean, unfortunately, there are so many options to choose from. I think it's a Keppa and when you answer this question, uh, although I, I have been I have been more apt to defend him because I don't think all of the errors were, were necessarily all on him. Uh, the defense has been uh, just a tough, tough area this year for the team. Mine is probably going to shock some people when I say N'Golo Kante. Um, and I love N'Golo Kante. I want him to stay at the club. He's one of my all-time favorite Chelsea players. Um, he's had a tough run with injuries, and when he was playing in a more advanced position this year compared to last year, uh, I, I haven't seen kind of the same willingness at goal maybe that that there was last year. So if he's not if he's going to play up front and not be an impact on the goals, I think that's a, a tough position for him to be in. And uh, I just hope he finally he takes this coronavirus rest and gets healthy and is able to come back rearing to go. Interesting. I, Andy, I'm eagerly waiting your response because I did not <laughs> see either of those two names anywhere in my crystal ball. So maybe you have another shock factor. Well, I, I think I probably do. It's, it's neither of those two. Isn't it interesting that, that we're all going to choose someone different? I mean, for me, it's, it's uh, a player that I thought would come in and absolutely cement their place in the middle of our defence, that would come in and lead the team that was the obvious captain in the team. And they've been disappointing this season, and that's Tony Rudiger. And I think that he, for me hasn't stepped up to where I thought he would be. He has shown passion, but not leadership. And they're two very different things. And I think that when you see Tony Rudiger turning around and yelling at his his fellow defenders and, and not taking responsibility for some of the errors and the decisions that he's made, you do wonder what's going on with him. Because now I, I always thought we would have Tony Rudiger plus one other. 
um, in the centre of that defence. And now I don't know what that defence is. I don't know what those centre backs are. You know, Christensen is a is, is a great shout, I think, for a player that's been hugely improved this season. Uh, Tomorrow seems to have fallen off a cliff in in Frank's opinion. You've got Dave, who's had a you know poor season on his his level. Alonso stepped it up, you know, in recent games, but only going forward. He's still a dreadful defender. Uh, you've got Zuma, who came in and played well in the last couple of games, but ultimately hasn't been amazing this year. So you know, there's all sorts of problems there. And I thought the one player, the one player that we could absolutely nail on and rely on, would be Tony Rudiger. And for me, he's he's not done it this season. Okay, you and Dan coming out here with Rudiger shouts is throwing me for a loop. <laughs> But it's good to kind of challenge you and say, are they, are these players really at the level that we expect or need them to be too? And I think that's why it's interesting. Um, my cheeky shot would be the medical staff this season. Oof. Oh, boy. Oof. You know, Edgy. they're not a player, but they directly affected the playing staff. The, the amount of injuries and the seriousness of them and the recurring injuries is just wildly concerning. Um, but if you are to push me on a player... Uh, you know, I think I will always be most critical of the goalkeeping position because that's the one I watch the most. And, like, I think it's fair for Keppa, who played the most minutes under Mirto Sari by a mile, played in cup games and all this stuff. And, you know, by all intents and purposes, it seemed like a starter has looked a shadow of himself this season. And maybe he had too much confidence coming in or whatever, but even, like, his strengths of possession with the ball at his feet have been you know he's no he's 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 not special and and that's the thing is you know all these players they always have their strengths and they have their specialties but when all of a sudden your strength isn't even like average all of a sudden you you become very you know on low on confidence you know you're very the teams are easy to pick on you and i think some of his decision making in possession has been has put us in in you know some really bad situations obviously we saw it in Bayern directly as well but um yeah that's that that is my shout and uh the good news though is i think he he does have an ability to bounce back but um it's he's got a lot of ways to go um all right last one for our end of season awards would be your favorite match of the season uh all all 29 of them or however many we got through yeah it's 29 matches this season um andy i'm gonna go with you because i feel like you know we we watch him from home Every time anyways, obviously we got out there at the end of September to see him in person, but you know, I feel like the atmosphere and kind of the trip and the, the, the outing adds more to it for you. So I'm interested to hear kind of what you feel like has been your favorite match of the season so far. It's been disappointing at home this season. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't we haven't created a fortress at Stamford Bridge. The atmosphere has been quite flat. I've been quite vocal about that, as as of other people. I, you know, we don't know why that is, or we kind of do, but it feels unfair to blame tourists for want of a better expert or aging season ticket holders or whatever the issue is. But there are problems at Stamford Bridge atmosphere wise, and so. Apart from recent games, I think, you know, the Liverpool game and we knocked them out the FA Cup, um, beating Spurs at home were, were great. But the game of the season, without any shadow of a doubt, was Spurs away. Spurs away, beating Mourinho, outwitting him tactically, destroying them on the pitch um, and going to that new stadium and uh, just out singing the Tottenham fans and outplaying them on the pitch. You know, that, that is what going to football is all about. Spurs away, hands down. I love it. Should we just wrap there, gentlemen? Or no, I'll, I'll give you yeah. options. 
because you know we do have some sentimental moments for ourselves this season as well for first as well um nick what when you look back what which match really stands out to you um god there are a, a handful um for both good and bad reasons but um spurs away i think is, is kind of my favorite of the, of the season for sure uh a a a nice shout or a notable mention for, or an honorable mention, I should say, for Arsenal away, uh, coming back to to beat them. I love beating Arsenal. Just love it. And then a, a weird one, but a fun one, was uh, Wolves away and just thrashing Wolves, mm-hmm. a team that really struggled at the beginning of the year but has clearly kind of found their form. Uh, and Tammy getting a hat trick was, uh, was something really, really special. So No, I love it. Yeah. Dan, over to you. Yeah, I, I think if uh, to give one that's different from the rest, I think the uh, Champions League tie against Ajax 4-4 <laughs> was probably one of the most enjoyable matches of the season. And I, I think when we needed to see the team show a little bit of adversity to show in a resiliency when people were questioning them on and the players on Frank, uh, they, they rose to the moment to come back and, and fight and really kind of claw back a result that was you know critical to the entire team and, you know, where we kind of finished. So that's another great shout as well. Um, mine is just purely, um, you know, because we got to go to Liverpool at home. And while we lost two one going to Stanford bridge and seeing Frank on the touchline and Tammy and Mason and just the team and the way they fought and were resilient against now it was, is a would be record setting team. Uh, just being at the bridge again and, and seeing Frank in charge for me really kind of puts it over the top, but it, that's a very personal kind of experience outside of that guys, the Spurs away has to kind of be, you know, beating Mourinho, beating Spurs, be, you know, being away, all of those things kind of check all the boxes when it comes to being a fan and it being convincing, uh, VAR going our way. I mean, it was just a day out, <laughs> you know? Um, I think the most... It was Christmas as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wolves is the one that probably surprises me as we kind of look at how the season's played out. Looking back, you're like, I don't think we appreciated that one as much as we could. So I, that's a great shout, Nick. Um, yeah. But anyways, Andy, it's uh, an asterisk of a season. <laughs> don't know how it's going to end but it's been an absolute pleasure shooting the shit with you spitballing trying to figure out what may be so thank you it's it's been far too long but every time we get a chat with you uh it's an absolute pleasure so thank you well no thank you and you guys do a fantastic job for your uh, for your audience and um i listen to the show every week and it's great so um i'm, I'm a it's an absolute pleasure to join you on this uh in these in these strange dark days to uh, hopefully throw a little light out there and and you know and, and talk football for an hour or so it's been brilliant thank you and always go follow andy on the chelsea yeah. you guys know you guys know what they're about the chelsea yeah that's what i was about to plug <laughs> as well so a long time listener of that um but yeah the fans hopefully we've helped fill some void in your life <laughs> your monday commute i hope that we are a pleasant surprise in your podcast feed um, but we are going to wrap it for this weekend. We will continue to figure out different things that we can do throughout this gap in, in Premier League football action. Uh, if you have ideas, let us know, um, but we'll probably be reposting some previous episodes of some exciting match reviews or, or moments in, in our short podcasting history. So 
Uh, wait, wait, wait. We're not going to be a Westworld season three recap podcast now? Hey, all options are on the table. <laughs> <laughs> you guys did Game of Thrones, so, you know, who knows? But we'll figure it out. We'll be there for you, Chelsea fans. Uh, best way to catch us is on social media or through Patreon and our Discord server. But that's a wrap. So thank you for listening. And until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.